I just want to jump in really quickly to ask a very important favour. We know that most of you who listen to No Bullshit Leadership haven't yet hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite podcast player. This is how the podcast grows. And even though we've already got a pretty decent global following, we're only scratching the surface of what's possible. We started this podcast over five years ago with the lofty ambition of improving the quality of leaders globally. So if you've got any benefit at all from listening to the podcast, I'd ask you to just take a moment, literally a moment, to hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite player. The world needs more no-bullshit leaders, and you can help us to make that happen. Back to the episode. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership, or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 90 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, live mentoring session number two, Driving Value. We've had some fantastic feedback on our first live mentoring session that was released a few weeks ago as episode 87, so we've decided to continue this theme and bring more of these in-depth conversations to you. It's purely coincidental that our first live mentoring session was with a woman named Emma, and this session is with a gentleman named Martin. Completely unintentional and hopefully not too confusing for you. These sessions are intentionally raw and spontaneous, and in these pandemic times, We're recording the sessions over Zoom, so it's not the studio quality production you're used to. This episode is an excerpt I had from a mentoring session I had a few weeks ago with Martin Bishop. 
Now, Martin's Chief Operating Officer for a transport company based in Australia, and he also sits on the advisory board of the Macquarie Business School's online MBA program as an industry advisor. CEO Magazine has recently ranked the program as the number one online MBA in Australia and number six globally. For context, in this fast-moving world, to give you an idea of where we are up to in pandemic terms, we held this conversation in Australia in mid-April, so it was a few weeks into the lockdown. In this session, we explore how to ensure that you have the whole organisation, from top to bottom, focused on the highest value work, and then we explore how to reprioritise the work program as the landscape shifts. So let's get into it. Over to you, Martin. So, you know, as part of our Leadership Beyond the Theory course, you know, you discuss uh, activity versus value and simplicity and focus as the core methodologies for uh, driving value out of the overall business. You describe simplifying the workload and focusing only on the work that generates overall value to the business. So what have you found is the ideal methodology for prioritization, prioritization of the workload with the team uh, actually doing the work is most familiar with actually needs to be done. Now, just to give you some background on that question, when you think about it, you know, from a leader standpoint, they're removed two, three layers away, so they don't really have a full understanding of what the work is. Their understanding of the work that is setting their, their mind of how important it is. And then conversely, if you're asking the, the team that's removed two, three layers uh, below about ranking it, you may have some frontline leaders who are essentially removing some of that workload because they don't see all of that. So how do you balance those two out and make sure that the team at the very bottom is most familiar with the work? Yeah, yeah, okay. That's 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 a really good question, Martin. And when you talk about the layers inside the organization, that's what makes it hard. So if you've got a, a very small organization where you only have really someone at the top and a bunch of people working directly to them, it's very easy to control the flow of work and what you actually focus on at any point in time, uh, even though there's a lot of duplication in that normally. But um, when you start thinking about how you actually get the value drivers through the organization, it has to happen at every single level. So when you originally asked the question about how do you know when you've got three layers between you and what's going on, that's the reason you're paying those leaders in between you and the frontline workforce. So for example, you have to work, uh, in my view, both top down and bottom up. Defining value is really difficult because value comes in all sorts of different forms, as you know. So, uh, so you can have value that comes from a financial return from a given project or investment, but you also have value that comes from, um, uh, let's say, creating a safer environment for your people to operate in. So in a transport and logistics business, obviously you're working with um, heavy machinery, you're working with forklift trucks, all sorts of things in being able to get um, the job done. And how much value comes from making it safer so that you experience less injuries for your people and you reduce the likelihood of a serious injury or fatality. That's value as well. But because they're two very different things, you can't compare apples and apples. You're comparing, you know, meat and fish. You know, you're comparing, you know, dog and horse. You know, you're not comparing the same thing, which is why it's hard to separate out. So I always talk about getting real clarity at the highest level in the organisation about what drives value for the organisation. And everything else, layer by layer, has to plug into that. 
Now, if you haven't got real clarity at the top about what drives value, it's really difficult for the people between the highest level of the organization, whether it's the top team, uh, CEO and uh, direct report executives, whether it's the board, it's very, very hard to make that make sense for the leaders below. So let me just give you an example, very simple one. Um, okay, so let's say profitability in most businesses would be a key driver. Now with profitability, it's made up of two things, revenue and cost, just in its simplest form. And so there are gonna be people all through the layers in the organization that contribute to acquiring revenue. And there are also gonna be a bunch of people in the organization who add to the cost base without directly influencing the revenue. So the most important thing is to make it clear to each of those individuals through their direct manager, their direct leader is the one that they see the world's eyes through. When you look at that, they're the ones that have to say, for you today, here's what you're gonna to do to add value to the organization. But they've got to describe it in very, very concrete terms. And at the top of the organization, the things that you might choose to do strategically to drive greater revenue or reduce cost may be completely invisible at the frontline level, but the frontline supervisor who's accountable for those people has to make it clear to them what they do. Does that make sense? It does make sense. How do you find it's best to balance what the frontline leaders may see as a short-term value versus the long-term strategic value in their mind, say, of the prioritization, right? Yeah, that's a, the, the short-term, long-term thing is really interesting because um, even at the most senior levels of organizations, short-termism is the order of the day. Uh, and uh, even the most senior executives think about the next quarter or you know, the next half-yearly reporting cycle or the next annual reporting cycle uh, because that's what they're judged upon. And because the lifespan of executives has become uh, much shorter over the last you know, 10 to 15 years, that drives the thinking about, I've got to make my numbers, I've got to make my numbers. And so they'll do not just uh, things that focus specifically on short-term value, but they'll also um, make a lot of trade-offs, sometimes some very poor decisions, and sometimes they'll ride roughshod over the organization's values to make their short-term objectives. Uh, and so this is a, a, a malaise that I, I have no answers to, but that's sort of part of what's going on in, in the corporate world today. Um, but uh, let me, sorry, let me come back to your question specifically. <laughs> okay. balancing, balancing that strategic angle with the what has to be done day to day. So there's a couple of views of this. At the highest level of the organization, you're looking at what's going to create value in the three to five year time frame, roughly at least. You know? So you're sort of looking out for that. And you'll be thinking of initiatives like, uh, in the next three years, what other firms should we be looking to acquire to get the growth that we need in our market uh, and doing that sort of strategic analysis of what will create value for the firm overall. But on a day-to-day -day basis, you've got to satisfy customer orders and requirements. And so at that very front level of the organization, it's almost immaterial what's happening at that strategic end because the day-to-day -day stuff takes precedence and it has to because you've got customers to serve. And so at different levels, you're focusing on different things. And this is one of the most important concepts of working at level. The reason they have the different layers in an organization is not just because you want to pay people more money and it's not just because of controlling the workload in a, a certain span of control. It's also that at every level, the job is different. You're focusing on different things, different time horizons and different outcomes that you need. And so it's that thinking about the level I'm at and what my objectives are that's going to give you the answer to how detailed should I be how do I know what creates value at my level? And how can I get control of the workload so that I'm stripping out all of that non-value adding activity 
and only doing the stuff that truly adds value. So would you say it's a good idea from the priority ranking standpoint to look at time horizon? So when you're setting the priority ranking of a senior manager, it's this, and when you're setting the priority ranking of a frontline leader, it's it's along this line. Is that pretty much what I yeah, yeah, ab ab absolutely. Because they'll focus on their time horizon, or they should. Now, most people focus on a time horizon that's actually much shorter than the layer they work at. Um, so, when I was um, CEO at CS Energy, obviously my job was to focus five years and beyond for the sustainability of the organisation. Uh, but there were weeks where I wasn't focusing more than five hours out, and uh, and you know that happens in the run of play, right? And so you, you're constantly shifting and trying to push your thinking to that um, the longest range time horizon of your role but very often you're dragged back into the day-to-day. -day. And that's probably one of the most common issues with uh, executives at all levels, they're getting dragged back into the detail and the alligators that are nipping at your heels each day. Fair enough. So you, you think it might be worthwhile to at least communicate your long-term strategies and the prioritization, but then focusing uh, the frontline leaders, say this is your priorities, but I want you to understand so they kind of understand the why. Why are they do, why are they focusing on these prioritized tasks? Because it leads to this ultimate outcome. It, it, exactly, and and don't forget that the whole um, value focus equation has to be done at every level. So, for example, let's say I'm a frontline supervisor and I've got a mechanical maintenance team that works for me. My job is to make sure that they're not doing stuff that wastes time. So, for um, for mine, okay, if I'm down at that level working the front line, I would say. I really want to improve the tool time of my team, right? The tool time being, of course, how much time do I actually spend on the tools doing productive work as opposed to planning, sitting in meetings, you know, doing administrative work, having a smoke-o break, whatever. And so or you might- looking for tools. Or looking for tools, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or, or waiting for um, safety permits to come through before you can start a job or whatever those bottlenecks are. And so that's really just like uh, in manufacturing sectors when you talk about that theory of constraints. Your job might be about how do I remove all these constraints to productivity that my team experiences? And as you said before, Martin, uh, that's what people at that level actually understand the best. Like they know where they're wasting their time. They know where their holdups and bottlenecks are. You don't. So the job of that team leader is to say, all right, let's work out a way to make this more efficient. Our benchmarks tell us we should be getting you know, 63% tool time in this particular type of industry. And at the moment we're getting 31. So we've got a big gap to bridge. And this is not theoretical. This is like, these are our competitors. Right? Benchmarks aren't just a, a number that comes out of some research. This is what our competitors are doing. So if we want to compete, we're going to need to improve our tool time. So that's just one example of um, how you might really factor in that day-to-day -day, uh, uh, value over activity, uh, that non-valuating activity that springs up. My thoughts were, look, you, know, you sit down with a team, you prioritize their workload, you, know, you set strategy in place, and all of a sudden something comes out of left field, completely unexpected, and now all of a sudden the organization got to reprioritize. Maybe their focus was, you know, we have to focus on this key strategic account, and that key strategic account is now off, fully off the table. So how do you put contingencies, plans in place, and priorities in place for stuff that may come way out of left field. Right. So in these, in these pandemic times, uh, you've really got to go back to the highest order things. 
So what is it that's going to get our company to survive as we come through this crisis? And there's a hell of a lot of unknown there, of course, as, as we're aware. So how long, how long are we going to be in you know, virtual lockdown for in Australia? Well, who knows? Uh, it's at least another two months. Is it 12 months? Possibly. So really, all, you, all you're talking about doing is the scenario planning that says, here's what will happen if, and here's how we need to respond if. And so you can paint these different scenarios. And even if you just start with those two bookends, right? Worst case scenario, best case scenario. Uh, part of that has to be, how are we making money? What's important to our customers? Which of our customers are going to be impacted? Um, what parts of the supply chain are most at risk? What parts of the supply chain have the opportunities and so forth? So at that very global level, just getting a really good understanding of what those big levers are that you can pull as an organization. And then as the decisions that you have zero control over start to roll out and become more apparent, you can shift towards, okay, we're seeing this emerging here. This is the action that we need to take based on what we think our future environment looks like. It looks like this scenario is more likely than that scenario. So it's getting that scenario planning done. And once you've got that, that should be a roadmap for pretty much everything else you do. So you should understand intimately uh, what your uh, cash flow is, of course, in any size business, uh, what your cash flow is like, uh, what the constraints are on that, what you can do with your people, um, uh, what they should be focusing on, because for the next little while you want to focus very much on the things that are going to make your business survive uh, in, in a time when most businesses are bleeding uh, and use that as the guide for what you do at the lower levels. So complete transitions of activity will just stop just automatically because they're not the highest value thing that are going to get you through this. Uh, but other things you might find opportunities where you say, all right, let's dedicate some resource over here because this is a no regrets move where we can actually get stuck into this and we can actually grow this part of the business right now because there's an opportunity there. So I'd imagine there are both ends of the spectrum for your business at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, my original thinking was I was actually in the middle of priority ranking workload from some of my teams and you know was going through and saying here's the strategy we're going to go with here's where i want you to focus your energy on et cetera, et cetera. and then all of a sudden you've got this weaker environment come into play a lot of that got thrown out the window and we basically had to go back and reprioritize so my, my question was more along the lines of without having that priority ranking fatigue or that oh, this is a new pet project for the big boss that we've got to do, spend a significant amount of effort and time on team trying to figure out what their current work is on, what's the highest priority, and, and where's the most return on investment organization. It goes right. out the window, now you've got to reprioritize. Right, so, so, the, so it sounds like you're way ahead of most, Martin, because at least you've got that, uh, that ranked list in priority order of the things that create the most value. And that's your, that's your Bible, that's your living, breathing roadmap to what you're doing at any point in time. Uh, the danger comes, of course, when you feel like it's knee-jerking and things are dropping in and out very, very quickly. So to control that, uh, I find it's important just to have review points. So if you've got someone above you who's, um, and I'm not saying that they are, of course, you haven't indicated that, but if you've got someone above you who's knee-jerking and throwing stuff at you, uh, basically as uh, every news bulletin comes out on the morning news, they decide they want to do something different that's just not going to cut it but part of your job is going to be to push back to say come on cool heads calmness let's analyze this properly but you've got the roadmap you've got 
Now here's our ranked order, one, two, three, four, five. Anything that pops up, you, you weigh that up against your existing roadmap. So it's a case of, is this more important than the thing that we currently got at number three? Or is it more important than the thing we've currently got at number seven? Well, if it is, we've got to find a way to reprioritize and get that done. And maybe something else falls off, uh, falls off the edge of the table. But that's how we've got to do this process based on what we already have. Now, unless you're completely throwing out um, that ranked list, which would surprise me, um, if you're throwing out the ranked list altogether, it probably means you didn't do it the right way in the first place. Uh, because if those are the things that truly drive value for your organization, a lot of those should be um, uh, timeless in terms of their ability to still drive value under, under different circumstances. So is that right? Yeah, look, um, I guess from my, my current role, where we were focusing before, where I thought was the most important thing, okay, this, this client represents 30% of our business. We need to put as much effort into this aspect of it. And now all of a sudden you have this new environment come into play and this other area has grown significantly. So we've dropped off on this area. So now you're saying, okay, stop focusing on this client. Now we need to focus on this. We need to focus on making sure that we can, uh, you know, provide the most value to our customer um, overall. And how can we get rid of some of the other stuff that isn't really providing value because this new area has had a significant growth and we can't deal with those other things. Right. So you're really, you're really only shifting resources to different uh, customer loads and demands. Is that right? Well, that's just one aspect. I mean, that was just one example. Yeah. Say, say, for instance, um, in our business, I'd say month on month, we've seen a 20% increase in our business from, from March to April. April, the, the company has been doing a 30% year on year growth for the last eight years, I believe. But uh, from March to April, we've had a significant growth. Now, that's not to say some customers and some areas that we focus, some focus of our business, like we've got stuff that does interstate and we have stuff that's local and we have stuff that we're third-party logistics for. Some areas have completely fallen off the map, especially the, the local service we provide to, you know, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera, where some other areas have just gone absolutely ballistic where we, we, we focused on like the wholesale food and, and, and alcohol business. So it has been a little bit of one customer to the other, but it's also been entire areas of our, of our business, which say our Sydney, for instance, the third part of logistics focus was very focused on retail. Now that's kind of fallen off the map and we have to really kind of redouble things out. And that's where I was working on focusing some priority tasks to that right before this thing came in play that, you know, we need you to focus more on retail and now we're out scrambling trying to look at, you know, um, business development. So it's a complete different shift. Totally, totally. But but it is a it is a, a, a shift in trend. It's not just a, it's not just a little you know oh we're going to jump over here now we're going to jump over there now we're going to jump over here. It's a it's 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 very much a predictable trend based on what we know uh, isolation lockdown is going to look like. So 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 you've sort of got this emerging trend for the business that says in the meantime here's where I'm going to need to put my resources because that's our growth areas. And that's just shifting with any strategy that says we're finding growth here. Let's move towards that growth and capture it. Uh, the only thing you have to bear in the back of your mind is at some point in time, the other businesses will come back and you need to be ready to support those as well because there's going to be an opportunity there. So when you start thinking about your workforce planning, 
uh, and uh, whether certain people are stood down or transferred across to a different division or have different priorities. Uh, does this also affect the asset utilisation? So you have some assets that now will be more idle because of their asset class than others that will you know, sort of be ramping up? Yeah, I wouldn't use the word idle in our business at this minute. Uh, we've actually been hiring. <laughs> um, but yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's basically a completely different focus. So previously, our one focus on, on those, those assets we're looking at this, you know, we quickly made some decisions on how to reallocate those assets, um, did a lot of uh, working closely with, with customers to make sure that we're getting the best utilization possible out of that. But some areas of our business have been going up on a upward trajectory, other ones are going up with a down trajectory, and we're just shifting resources around. Right, um, you've, been able to, you've been able to get some um, some asset reassignments, so you haven't just 100%. had to park, park them up. Okay, that's great. Yeah, as long, as, you, as, long as you can reallocate them to other tasks, that's great. So that's good, right? So, so as a, as a, yeah, it is. It is actually good. It's very positive. As a general rule, most of those assets are, are fully utilized, but as it stands right now, perfect. All right. So that brings us to the end of episode ninety. Please drop us a line and let us know if you're enjoying the change up in format, and if you'd like to hear some more of my live mentoring sessions. Thanks again for joining us, and remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please take a few minutes to rate and review the podcast or share it with your network. I look forward to next week's episode, Leading People Older Than You. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader. 